The Blevins Franks Report with Rob Kay of Blevins Franks Wealth Management. It's a Sunday morning on Riviera Radio where we say good morning to Rob Kay. How are you doing, Rob? Good morning, Harold. Yeah, I'm doing very well. Thank you. Yourself? Yeah, I am. I'm very excited. We're into December now. I can tell you that much. <laughs> anyway, yeah. uh, during last week's Brevin's Franks report, you referred to something called a reverse bottom, which I thought was a baking expression. Well, apparently it's an investment expression. How about that? But the world's investment markets have endured a difficult year in 2022. So as we're now into December, it feels like a good moment to look back at investment markets and investments in general. However, before we focus on investments, what news, financial or other, caught your eye this past week? Well, I would, um, as you said, December's here and three weeks from now, the big man will have been and hopefully filled your stocking with everything that you had on your Christmas card list or your Christmas list. Um, For many of us, Christmas involves travelling to to spend the holiday with friends and relatives. But uh, if you're planning to travel by plane... Or, or your journey might be disrupted by uh, by strikes as unions representing cabin crews have threatened industrial action. Two Air France unions have issued a strike notice for the period between December 22nd and January the 2nd. French EasyJet unions have said there is a significant increase in the risk that cabin crew activity will be suspended over the, over the entire end-of-year holiday in line with negotiations over salaries. Ryanair's Belgian cabin crew are also threatening to strike. They said the end-of-year festivities are approaching and if nothing changes, there's a high probability their staff will express their anger during that period. Even TAP, Portugal's national airline, has announced it will be cancelling 360 flights in December, again because of cabin crew strikes. Now, if you're staying here for Christmas but you want to post your presents rather than getting Santa to deliver them for you, La Poste this week revealed its deadlines. For parcels sent within France, the deadline to have them delivered by Christmas Day is December 23rd. If you're sending to the UK or most European islands or Scandinavia, the deadline is the 16th of December. And the deadline for most other European countries is actually the 19th. Now, outside Europe, the USA, Canada, Australia, um, South Africa and a few more distant countries, you have until December 10th. But for more remote, faraway destinations... You could have missed the boat because the deadline was actually yesterday. The arrival of December usually means the winter ski season is upon us and while some of the high resorts have opened, unfortunately some of the low resorts have had to push back their opening dates due to lack of snow. Over the past couple of weeks, most resorts have seen healthy dumps of the white stuff which means that most resorts will open soon even if their lifts will this year be running a little slower in an attempt to reduce higher energy costs. On the financial front, I was slightly surprised this week to read that the UK's Financial Conduct Authority is warning customers to stop hoarding so much cash and invest it in the stock market because they are, as the FCA described it, likely to experience harm as the real value of their investments fall against the upside potential from investing. The FCA said 4.2 million UK savers had at least £10,000 held in cash, and deposits in savings accounts hit £1 trillion for the first time in September. That's £25 more than this time last year. And finally, Howard, UNESCO this week recognised the artisan speciality of making French baguettes by adding the practice to its list of intangible cultural heritage. UNESCO's intangible heritage list 
honours living culture rather than objects. The Convention for the Safeguarding of Intangible Cultural Heritage was actually adopted back in 2003, and it is dedicated to safeguarding what he describes as human treasures. Currently, there are 530 practices on the list, which includes 72, which we are told need urgent protection. I must admit, Howard, I had never heard of UNESCO's intangible cultural heritage before, but safeguarding properly made French baguettes certainly gets my vote. Yeah, there's a debate where the origin of the baguette comes from. I was listening to the other day. It's in doubt, I think. Yeah. All right. Turning to investments, I mentioned in the introduction, but can you explain what a reverse bottom is and what's its relevance? Yeah, historically, lots of investment market declines have ended with with what investment technicians refer to as a reverse bottom. This is the point when, as the name describes, an investment or a particular investment market hits a point which the market considers to be rock bottom. The biggest issue is spotting that point in time because there can be lots of false dawns and you only really know when you've passed that point with the power of hindsight. The best analogy I can give you is I was once told you'll only really know when a kangaroo is pregnant when the joy pops its head out of its mother's pouch. That's because the baby has made its way from the birth canal to the pouch by clambering through its mother's fur. Spotting a joy's birth is very similar to seeing the bottom of an investment cycle. You only find out after the event has happened, which is why timing the bottom is nigh on impossible. On the back of an inflation report published at 8.30am on the 13th of October, the S&P 500 duly opened the day plunging 2.4%. Then, without any external input, it turned around and finished the day up 2.6%. That's what investment technicians call a reverse bottom. As I said, we need to be wary of false dawns, but what the S&P 500 has done since the 13th of October is beginning to look more and more like a reverse bottom. From that point, the S&P 500 is up 10%, the FTSE 100 is up 11%, the CAC Caron is up 15%, and the DAX has actually gained 18%. Many investment analysts are therefore making a lot more positive noises about the investment outlook for 2023. As we approach the end of this year, what's your view of 2022 from an investment perspective? Well, despite the gains investment markets have made over, let's say, the past six weeks, most are actually still down year to date. The S&P is still down 17%. The DAX is down 10 The CAC is down 7 the boss which has which has sort of booked the trend is actually the FTSE 100, which actually year on year is actually up 1% this year. After two years, when at various points the whole world was locked down, and when certain regions weren't, they had to operate under severe restrictions, which forced governments across the world to throw enormous sums of cash down deep dark holes to prop their citizens up. In hindsight, what has happened to investment markets this year isn't really a surprise. When the restrictions loosened, people were always going to start spending. And with that much cash swelling around, the spectre looming large on the horizon was always going to be inflation. What no one foresaw was Russia taking advantage of a global weak point to pursue its desire to expand its territorial ambitions, which just simply exacerbated an already difficult economic situation. The simple facts are... This year, the world's investment markets have faced a laundry list of challenges from new and extended COVID lockdowns, um, economic slowdown in China, the Ukraine-Russia war, surging inflation and central banks tightening policy. 
This has led to a really tough year for global equities and also for government bonds, which globally are also off about 10%. The fact is simple. Investors have had nowhere to hide with bear markets for global equities and bond yields rising. There have been no safe havens to run to this year. That said, we also need to be cautious about being too pessimistic. As we have said many, many times before, when the panic starts to subside, investment markets will quickly bounce back. How should investors deal with stock market volatility? Uh, big investment market swings can can be difficult for new investors. I, I completely understand that, Howard, to, for them to handle. There, there's a lot of uncertainty right now because of interest rate hikes, increasing property prices, and, and everyday commodities getting more expensive because of inflation. Investment markets react to these factors on a day-to-day basis. But if you have a diversified investment portfolio which is matched to your risk profile, slow and steady will win the race at the end of the day. The best performing portfolios are those that have remained in the market. The most important thing to always remember is why you're investing. We can't avoid short-term volatility, but if we have a long-term time horizon, historically stock markets go up and you need to have the discipline to stick with your plan. Every longer-term plan is affected by market conditions. Dips and corrections will happen. They can't be avoided. Our friends in the media are continually called on to write attention-grabbing 24-hour-a-day headlines. And if you're not strong, they can turn your head. They, they come up with expressions with, uh, with really scary-sounding scenarios, such as economic bubbles, bear markets, corrections, recessions. And one that that has got to scare anyone is is death crosses. We also shouldn't ignore the fact that when investment markets go south, investments are presented with a unique opportunity to invest. If you've saved money during the lockdowns, now could be a great time to get that cash working harder for you. It's impossible to say if we're near the bottom or past the bottom. The best investment brands in history have not been able to time the market. The best advice is stick to your plan and keep on investing. Is that your top tip? Howard, <laughs> even and especially when there is, a vol- there is a volatile market or volatility in stock markets, the best course of action is to be aware of it, but stick to your financial strategy. It's, it's totally impossible to time the markets, but historically speaking, investment markets have always recovered. You need to stay level-headed through the dips and peaks. Remember why you're investing, and also remember what your objectives are. Well, I hear what you're saying about not trying to time the markets, but do lots of people try? Well, that's true. I mean, I've experienced so many peaks and troughs, highs and lows, and periods of intense volatility through my career. Um, But I'm now finally of the belief that the wisest investors are the ones who spend time creating a long-term strategy, then have the discipline to stay in the market, even when it feels uncomfortable. Time has repeatedly proven trying to time the market is a gamble, and like all bets, they sometimes work, but in most cases, the bookies are the ones that make the winnings. Timing the market carries plenty of risks, but the biggest must be the risk of missing out. Getting out of the market during a downturn in trend or to to reduce the risk can result in missing out on some of the biggest rebound days. Most people have heard about selling at the top and buying at the bottom. Seasoned investment professionals rarely get this right. There is always the temptation to stay in that little bit longer. Then once you're out, hesitate about going back in. Now, if you invested 100000 
euros in equities over the past 10 years and remained fully invested for the whole period, you would have seen a profit somewhere in the region of €110,000. You'd have doubled your money. If you missed just the best 10 days in that 10-year investment period, your profit would have dropped to €40,000. But if you missed the best 30 days, you would have actually lost €16,000. Just think about that. That's just one month out of 130 months. Putting that into context, though, if you were out of the market for less than 1% of the whole 10-year period and missed the best 30 days, you would have lost 16% of your original capital. I find that quite sobering and, and more than a little scary. Personally, I'm sticking with my plan and staying fully invested. Yeah. But I suppose do all investments carry an element of risk? And how do we establish what our risk profile is and then build a portfolio around it? Yeah, I mean, of course, no, no risk often means no return. And, and arguably, even bank accounts carry risk, as we saw with the 2008 banking crisis. We also have inflation risk, where the rising cost of living erodes the spending power of our bank deposits quicker, especially when interest rates are low. While the recent inflation surge may have taken, taken people by surprise, even low rates of inflation will reduce over time the buying power of your money. Most of us recognise that for some of our assets, exposure to market movement gives us a better chance of outperforming inflation and producing real returns over the medium to longer term. However, the starting point must be to obtain a clear and objective assessment of your appetite for risk. Otherwise, the result will be an investment portfolio that's actually not suitable for you. These days, we use some really sophisticated ways to evaluate, evaluate appetite for risk, which involves a combination of psychosymmetric assessment, um, the consideration of your other assets, and your investment objectives have to be for you and your family. Every set of investments can be forecast to display a given amplitude of risk, low amplitude, less investment risk, but also lower likely returns. A higher amplitude of risk brings greater potential returns, but higher investment risk. The key is to ensuring your investment portfolio matches your attitude to risk. It's difficult to effectively assess your own risk profile, so you really benefit from a third-party professional objection, sorry, objective gui of guidance. Without a sound assessment, then matching that to the optimum blend of investments, you'll probably find yourself with a portfolio that's either too risky or too cautious for your personal requirements. Another key initial step which will ensure your portfolio is suitable for you is to establish your objectives. Are you looking for income, growth or a combination? Or if your prime concern is to preserve your wealth for your children and grandchildren, what is your investment time horizon? Your advisor should be there to help you build the portfolio then, which is based both on your risk profile and your objectives. What are the most common investment mistakes amateur investors make? Without, without any hesitation, I would say making an impulsive decision to the detriment of your long-term plan and evaluating returns over too short a period of time are actually, in my experience, the most common mistakes. From a pure theoretical perspective, it's easy to devise the perfect investment strategy and portfolio. However, if it's not designed around the individual who's going to use it, it just won't work. The right investing decisions are not about financial circumstances alone. We need to consider our individual personalities. Emotions and personalities are at the root of most of the mistakes wealth managers experience with clients. 
At Blevins Franks, we understand how important this element is in having that understanding helps us to support clients, especially during challenging times, such as those we've seen this year. And finally, how big a role does a tax-efficient structure have in improving investment returns? Well, as the description suggests, a tax-efficient structure importantly provides protection, which legitimately helps us to avoid paying too much tax, or in certain circumstances, avoid paying any tax at all. The important word there is legitimately. Our British listeners are probably familiar with ICEs or pensions. Both structures allow you to accumulate your investments in a tax-free environment. Using the most suitable structure which limits tax liabilities is the simplest strategy to improve investment returns. In the UK, there are restrictions on how much you can invest in an ISA, but investments outside an ISA also benefit from individual capital gains tax allowances, which, as we mentioned in our report a couple of weeks ago, was given a severe haircut in the autumn statement. If you're a French resident but still use UK investment managers to manage your investments, this is probably a good time to reassess that arrangement because in 18 months' time, just £3,000, not £12,300, will be exempt from capital gains tax. I'm sure our British listeners are quite familiar with the system I've just described, but less so with the local rules here in France. When we move to France, far too many of us stick with what we know. Sticking with what you know and the structures established in the UK will certainly increase your tax costs. If your £400,000 UK investment portfolio realises you an investment gain of 5%, you'll incur a French tax liability of £6,000. When we factor in the tax costs, your return on investment, tax has reduced your gain from 5% down to 3.5%. However, if your investments are correctly structured from a French perspective, you could reduce your tax charge down from £6,000 to just £300. So your actual investment return would be 4.9%, not 3.5%. In these inflationary times, that sort of tax saving is even more important than ever. But it's especially important if you need your investment capital to supplement your pension receipts. If you live in France, or you're thinking of living in France, and you want to discuss the management of your investment assets, I would suggest you have a conversation with Blevins Franks. Remember, the initial conversation is entirely complimentary because until we understand if we can help, we don't start charging. Alternatively, if you have a more general question about anything concerning money or finances, give us a call, speak to one of our local partners, and if we can help, we will, but if we can't, I'm sure we'll know someone who can. The telephone number for our office in Valbonne is 0493-001780. Or, if our Monaco office is more convenient for you, you can call to arrange a meeting or a telephone conference with one of our Monaco-based partners by telephoning Monaco 97775574. That's 97775574. And as usual, as we say every week, Howard, you can also contact us or find out what's going on at Blevins Franks via the website, which is www.blevinsfranks.com. Where would we be without it, I can tell you. <laughs> Thank you very much. We'll talk again next Sunday morning. Thank you, Howard. Have a great week. The Blevins Franks Report. If you would like more information on any of the topics discussed in this programme, contact your local Blevins Franks office on 0493 001780 or riviera at blevinsfranks.com.
Today's world presents many challenges for financial planning, including protecting your pensions. Should you leave your pension in the UK now you're an expatriate? How much flexibility will you have? Will your capital and income keep pace with inflation? Specialist advice is more essential than ever, but since Brexit, UK-based pension firms lost the automatic right to provide regulated services to EU residents. Blevins Franks is authorised to provide regulated advice on UK pensions. Visit blevinsfranks.com today.